0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This Christmas season, we invite you to look deeper into the incredible covenants God made with His people in Scripture. Tune into our current series, Gift Wrapped, from longing to lavish, to discover God's unwavering promises to meet the ultimate longings of our heart and ultimately renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. Well, if you're anything like me, it can be challenging jumping in to things that are unfamiliar, much like a life group. I remember back around 2009 or 2010 when my wife and I were processing leaving our church in Davison, driving all the way down to Woodside's Lake Orion campus. At the time, we really weren't confident that we would stay at Woodside, and it even took us a whole year before we became members. But I look back and I see God's faithfulness in that. Is faithfulness in the unknown. We were pretty comfortable where we were at in life. We had friends. I was working, serving, and ministering within the church. But we decided to jump into what we felt God wanted us to do instead of what we wanted. God knew exactly what we needed and used some amazing people to help us further our walk with Christ in areas that we didn't even understand, Our lives are not meant for isolation. It can be tough answering God's call when we don't know uh, or we don't want to or when we feel like we don't need to. Our lives are meant to be used for God's kingdom living out in holy community. We're actually going to see this in scripture today where God is calling the Israelites into becoming this holy community. But before we do, uh, would you pray with me and let's ask God uh, to open our hearts to receive his word uh, this morning. Before we pray, I just want to say you probably are wondering like where in the world is CT? Uh, If you did not know, CT and Meg have had uh, their baby, sweet baby Sage. And so if you would just join with me, let's pray for them that they would just have some amazing time as a family this week of rest Um, and that uh, he would continue to strengthen them as a family. God, we come before you today, and we pray for CT and Meg and uh, all of their kids, God, and specifically for Sage. We welcome her into the world, and we're so thankful for their family and what they give uh, to this ministry, to this community. And God, I just pray that you would give them an extra measure of grace and rest And God, for us this morning, would each of us uh, just set aside our thoughts of what's going on in our our life this week, what's coming up, what's happened in the week uh, prior, God, and I just pray that we would give you our hearts this morning. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Well, this morning, we're continuing our Christmas sermon series, Gift-Wrapped, From Longing to Lavished. And the idea behind this series is that in the course of just a few weeks, we're working our way through the entire Old Testament leading up to the arrival of Christ, not a traditional Christmas series that we're used to. There are many ways to summarize the the story of the Old Testament, but we're working through the story by looking at the different covenants that God makes with his people leading up to the new covenant. In Christ. The first week we looked at God's covenant with Noah in Genesis 9 and God's promise to care for all of creation. And then last week we looked at God's covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15 and God's promise to provide for and bless Abraham's descendants, the nation of Israel. But when we left off the story last week, Abraham and his wife Sarah were not a great nation. They were still waiting to have just one baby. And we saw how God graciously reassured them that his promises would come true. And as the story continues, God does show his faithfulness through the eventual birth of Abraham and Sarah's son, Isaac. And as the book of Genesis continues, Isaac has a son, Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons, which eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel. So now Abraham's descendants are starting to multiply into a larger group much like the Eldritch family. Let's see T. and Meg. Through a famine in the land, all 12 brothers wind up in Egypt. And initially, the Israelites have favor with Egyptians. The two different groups collaborate and they get along. But eventually, a king in Egypt comes to power who does not like the Israelites at all. In fact, he enslaves them and begins to badly oppress them. But God, in his covenant faithfulness to Israel, raises up a leader named Moses, who we're going to hear about today. And he brings great judgments against Egypt in order to liberate his people. This event is known as the Exodus from Egypt. It's a crucial event in the storyline of the Bible. Where we're picking up the story today is just after the Israelites have left Egypt and God has led them to a mountain called Mount Sinai. And it's in this place where God is going to establish what we refer to as a Mosaic covenant. And the words God speaks in these covenant promises further clarifies God's purpose for Israel as his people. Israel has just been redeemed out of bondage in Egypt and now God is setting them back on track Towards the promised land and renewing their purpose as his people. So let's see what God has to say to them in this scene. Today we're looking in Exodus, reading out of Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. Exodus is the second book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus 19, 1 through 6. If you don't have your Bible, the words will, the text will be on the screen. Let's read. Together. Verse 1 On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim, and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There, Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Well, when I was 16, about to turn 17, I finished my junior year of high school and somehow managed to talk my parents into letting me get my GED and head to college down in Florida a year early. To me, this meant freedom. It's like Braveheart if you've ever seen that, right? Freedom! That's what it was for me in this moment. It also meant more girls. At that time, the girl-to-guy ratio at my college was two to one, praise Jesus. And now I thought I was going down there and would have a girl on each arm as I went to dinner. But as soon, uh, but as I soon found out it was very different than I had planned. In the fall of 2001, I moved down and lived on campus. I spent a year down there and went back for my first semester of my sophomore year when I finally called my mom and said, I can't do it anymore. Turns out 18 and 19 year old girls weren't really looking to settle down with 16 year old boys, as you can imagine. I remember my parents encouraging me to at least just stay through the semester because we had already spent the money and they didn't want to throw it all away. I remember crying on the phone, literally crying, that night as I told my parents that I was dropping out of college and would be home in a couple days. Everything I thought college was going to be and everything I thought it would do for me was literally the exact opposite. And how could this be? A year prior, I was so excited that I was going off to college, and I knew the direction that I was headed, and now I have no clue who I am or what I want to do with my life. Sadly, I've experienced this many times in my life, as I'm sure many of you can relate. Maybe it was a new job or moving to a new city. Maybe it was even losing a job as many, many have experienced this year. A new puppy, a new car, or even a vacation. What about marriage? For the first year or two of my my marriage with Aaron, me and my wife both thought, what in the world did we just get ourselves into? Maybe you're here today and you're wondering why God has uprooted you. My expectations of my situation have left me spinning, asking God what his plan for me is going forward. God, will you not save me? Will you not provide for me? God, are you really in this? You see, the most horrific and even the most glorious events of our lives can often be accompanied by extreme disorientation. Not just the bad events, even the good events leave us disoriented. All these examples give us a small window into the thoughts and emotions the Israelites had in the book of Exodus. Where we meet them today in Exodus 19, they're three months into their freedom from slavery, The calluses of their enslaved hands are still hard. They remember the warmth of their abandoned hearts in the cold desert nights. The shadow of Pharaoh's drowned army still haunts their dreams. These are the Israelites that come to the mountain of God in Exodus 19. In the shadow of the holy mountain, they must be overwhelmed with questions. What is the meaning of it all? Why has God uprooted them from their oppressed existence? Why did he show them mercy? What is his plan going forward? And what does it mean to follow him moving forward? In order to answer these questions, they first need to understand who they are. Before God ever, Before he ever gives us 10 commandments in Exodus 20, before he ever tells the Israelites what his plans are for them, he reminds them of who he is. And then he reminds them of who they are. I love this text. God reminds us of who we are. Let's look back at the text, Exodus 19 and verse one. We're gonna reread some of this. It says, I'm the... Third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. On that day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai and they encamped in the wilderness. There, Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord then called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine." So the Israelites are three months out of slavery, confused and questioning God. And God says, don't you remember what I did to the Egyptians? Don't you remember how I rescued you? Have you forgot? Here God reminds them of all that he's done and that they will be what? His treasured possession. For the last few years, we've tried to teach our 6-year-old son max how much he means to us my wife could probably tell me when i started asking him this about a year year and a half ago and max is a kid who like his parents sometimes to a fault enjoys some of the finer things in life for max that means an xbox fortnite nerf guns disney star wars dirt bikes and the list It just goes on and on and on. About a year ago, when we would ask Max if he knew how much we loved him, he would then in return ask, do you love me more than Xbox? And we would say, yes, Max, way more than we love Xbox. He would then ask, more than Fortnite? Yes, Max, we love you way more than Fortnite he'd then list each one of his friends and ask if we loved him more than we loved them. And we would reply, Max, we love them, but not even close to how much we love you. Now, you're probably thinking that Max is testing us to make sure that we love him way more than we loved all of those other things. Certainly, this is a test. But Max would then become upset and mad at us because he wanted us to love the things that he loved as much as he did. Why do you think that is? What's Max's issue? And I don't want us to miss this today. I want us to just listen closely because this is something that's very close even to my heart, something that I have struggled with over the years in my own life. Max did not understand the value of himself. He didn't understand his worth. He put all of these other things in his life on a pedestal and put himself down at the bottom of how much he's worth. He didn't understand the sacrifices that mom and dad make every day for him. He doesn't quite understand what Jesus has done for him. He doesn't understand who his creator is. Max couldn't get past how we didn't love Xbox as much as him. And still today, he struggles with this concept because he doesn't understand that Max is our most prized possession. How many of us are like Max? And we're still walking in the same shoes as the Israelites, not understanding who we are, not understanding our value that God has put on our lives. If you remember nothing else today, remember this, that you are God's treasured Possession, He says, you are mine. You're a child of the king. And he sacrificed his own son, Jesus, for you. Church family, that's how much that you are worth today. We can rest in that truth today. After God reminds us of who we are, he then equips us and invites us to minister alongside of him to others. God equips his people to minister to others. Let's look at verse six, the first part of verse six. It says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Here God not only continues to tell them who they are, he also then gives them a purpose. In their identity, he gives them a purpose. Not the other way around. We don't find our identity and our purpose. We find our purpose in who we are. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've gotten this wrong and that I still walk through this issue on a daily basis. My identity is not found in ministering to others here at Woodside Bible Church. My identity... It's not found in being a pastor here in Lapeer. It's not found in a job or being a great husband or being a great dad. These are really amazing things that God does call me to be. But my identity is not found in my purpose. My purpose is actually found in my identity. Identity is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Don't mix these up today. In verse six, God is calling Israel into a greater purpose. Kingdom of priests is a statement of the manner in which God will use Israel with respect to the rest of the nations. The calling God puts upon Israel to the rest of the nations is a fulfillment of his earlier promise to Abraham. When God called Abraham in uh, in Genesis 12, verses one through three, he made it clear that his blessing extended beyond his own offspring. It says in verse 3 there, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, the priestly calling shows precisely how God intends to fulfill this promise to Abraham through his descendants. And as the priesthood in Israel was to the nations as a whole, so Israel should be to other nations. As Israelite priests had unique requirements, duties, and privileges among the Israelites, so then Israel, Israel would have unique requirements, duties, and privileges among the nations. I'll word this another way. Israel's assignment from God involved intermediation. They were not to be a people unto themselves, enjoying their special relationship with God and paying no attention to the rest of the world. They were actually supposed to represent him to the rest of the world and attempt to bring the rest of the world to him. God has called his people out of Egypt because he loves them because he treasures them and desires to treasure them, but his purpose in doing so doesn't end there. Their freedom and privilege, as God's treasured possession, carries with it a purpose, using that freedom and privilege to represent God to the world and to bring the world to God. Some of you know this already, but seven years ago, my wife and I, we started a salon in Metamora. And no, I do not do hair, if any of you are wondering. Uh, but when we first started off, it, it became very evident with all the purchasing that we needed some credit cards. And from time to time, my wife won't recognize a purchase. On the statement, and will ask me, Caleb, do you know what a Peer Country Club is for $43? And I then have to explain why I use the company credit card For golf and I'm sure you can imagine how that conversation goes why because our business credit card wasn't intended to be used at the golf course it wasn't intended to be used at bass pro shops even though I've done that before or restaurants just so that I can be happy and chubby it's not the purpose other perks and benefits that I receive from these credit cards of course there are but this card was meant for a greater purpose. And you see, God equips his people with good gifts for his purposes. He equipped the Israelites with freedom. He led them into the promised land and equipped them with everything they would need, but why? So they could show the world that he was good and he expected them to do it. Today in the church, God equips his people differently. He's prepared good works for us in advance according to Ephesians 2.10, and he has equipped each of us to serve within his body of believers to do those works. So what are you doing with the gifts that God has given you? Are you serving as his priest within the community of believers or spending your gifts upon yourself. God has called you as a priest to represent him to the world and to bring the world to him regardless of your vocation. Church family, let's step into our calling. Now there's another side to the new identity God gives Israel at Sinai. He doesn't simply just call each of them as individuals into a royal priesthood. God then knits his people into a holy community. God knits his people into a holy community. Let's look back at verse 6, the second part. It says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The term holy nation represents a major milestone in the Israelite story. You see, Israel was not always a nation, Israel was a man the grandson of Abraham. And now this is the next development in the Israelite community. God is forming them into a community fit for the purpose to which he's calling them. If they are to represent God to the nations, they must be a nation. The means by which Israel fulfills its call to be a holy priesthood is then found in living as a holy nation. Now for a second, think about your national identity. Many of us were born here in the United States, but not all of us. Some of you have become a part of this nation and have, begin, have been given a new national identity. And in the process, you have entered a new community. You pay taxes differently, you travel differently, and over time, you may have even begun to speak And act differently. And in the process of an immigrant becoming a citizen, we see an image of what God was doing with Israel. He was calling them to a new way of living. He called them a holy nation. They would be separate from all nations to fulfill their calling as a royal priesthood. Each person as a part of the whole would then live and act towards each other and the rest of the world out of this new identity it would be a holy community of love and redemption living in such a way that the world around them might understand God as holy loving and gracious this was God's covenant with Israel at Sinai covenant though leaves us with a problem Israel fails they didn't live a separate and holy life. They didn't call all nations to God. Instead, they went into exile. How then will God's plan of redemption for the world be accomplished after Israel fails? Well, we find the answer in 1 Peter 2.9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Here, Peter is alluding to the Old Testament in Exodus 19.6, seeing the fulfillment of the Mosaic covenant in the church. Through Jesus, God saves us, the nations out of darkness and into darkness. Light. So church family, this is the call of God in Christ. As God saved Israel out of darkness, of slavery, and called them into light as his treasured possession, he also has called you and he's called me. As he called Israel to be a royal priesthood, he's called us. God makes his appeal to the world through the church and that they would be reconciled to God. As he made Israel into a holy nation, he brings together people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to be a people for his own possession that through our unity and new identity, we proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into this marvelous light. This new community breaks down every barrier of race. It breaks down all barriers of political preferences. And it unites us into a holy community living out the gospel of Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this morning, together, let's respond to this call. Would you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, this morning, we want to proclaim those excellencies. This morning, as you call each and every one of us, I pray that this morning that we would respond to your calling. No matter our vocation, no matter what job we have, no matter if we have a job, you've called us into this marvelous light. And I pray that this morning that we would just be encouraged and moved and motivated to proclaim your excellencies. We love you, Jesus, and we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us? Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.